Okay, Bezat Hashem, this Shio Shabilinishmat, Rav David Ben Suluka Korkis, whose third year site is tomorrow night. Um, he's a Rabbi of mine uh, in Yerushalayim. Um, his father was a Rabbi of mine, or his son, I should say, was a Rabbi of mine in, uh, in Florida. Um, so, again, uh, this uh, Shio Shabilinishmato. Uh, so, tonight we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to start with the inception of the modern Ashkacha, because really, that's where the whole question on beverages starts. So the modern Ashkacha has only existed for about 100 years. About 100 years ago, the women's auxiliary of the OU was the first ones to certify a product. It was a box of crackers made in a factory. Um, and that came in about 1923, 1924, somewhere in there. Um, the OU symbol actually wasn't invented until some years later, when Heinz in Pittsburgh wanted the OU to supervise them. They had a, a rabbi in Pittsburgh who was going to be the field representative, and Heinz didn't want a whole lot of words or anything on the packaging. They wanted something really simple that they could put on the package, and so they came up with the little OU symbol. It's been the same for like 90 years. Um, and if you want to know more about that whole process, uh, there's a Jewish action that came out uh, I don't remember if it was the one from three months ago or from six months ago, but either way, it's uh, just one of the last cu- couple, ba- ba- one of the last couple back issues of the Jewish action. Uh, that whole story is in there. Today, though, the OU by itself supervises 1.3 million products around the world, um, and that's not counting the other 1,500 or so hashgachas that exist around the world. Um, not going to say which one's more reputable than the others, but 1,500. Um, so I'm not going to say which one's more reputable than the other. There's a lot that are very good. Um, ACO is fantastic, the Association of Cautious Organizations. Um, they're a group that the executive directors are Michelle and Fishbane of the CRC. They um, are a group of over 100 different hashkachas, mostly in the United States, um, but also around the world. And they share and collaborate a lot of information together. And so they have really, for the most part, changed... The, the landscape of, of Ashkach in the What's last the ACO, AKO, the Association of Cautious Organizations. Where are they located? Uh, so the executive directors are Shalom Fishbane from the CRC. Um, they have a conference every year for in for their the Hashkachas that are members. Um, Keystone K is a member uh, of them. Um, but it happens to be that Hashkachas weren't always so reputable when they were first founded. There's a story that Moshe Heineman told me. Um, that somebody was contracted to bring wine, uh, he was a vintner, and he was contracted to bring wine to the, the Briskerov. So he also happened to have a little farm, had a few goats, he made some cheese. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to bring the cheese also to the, to the Briskerov. So he comes in, and uh, he goes to the Briskerov's house, he's there, he receives the wine, and then he asks the Rov, by the way, uh, where should I put the cheese? And the Briskerov says, what do you mean cheese? He's like, I, I have a little farm you know, on the, the issue of I make cheese, uh, and I was wondering where uh, where I should put it. He's like, you brought me cheese? I'm like, yeah, you know, make it. Everyone in the farm eats it. Because does it have a hashkacha? He says, no, but but everyone eats it. Even the rub eats it. It's like the rub of the farm eats it. Yeah, like, but it doesn't have a hashkacha. No, no, but, but I could get it. I could bring it back tomorrow. I'll go back to the issue. We'll have the Rav write it. And I'll, I'll bring you an Ashkacha. But it doesn't have one now. Says, no, it doesn't have one now, but, but I can get it. I can get it for you. Like, don't worry. It, it's kosher, I promise. 
He goes, okay, put it over there. I don't eat anything with Oshkacha. So that used to be how things were. Things were kind of a, a wild west almost in the world. And Oshkacha, there, there, there wasn't so much sharing of information. And things were really kind of left up to whatever guidance that Oshkacha had. Nowadays, there's a lot more information. The OU has several of the rabbinic coordinators that have master's degrees in chemistry and bioengineering. So they really know what they're doing. Uh, and it's not just them. The CRC has it. The Stark has it. But they really know what they're doing in, in terms of the, the science of food production. Um, there are two exceptions to this rule, though. One of them is medicine. You'll find that there aren't so many medicines with Ashkacha. And the last year, year and a half, uh, we finally got a kosher children's ibuprofen. Um, there's been a kosher children's Tylenol for a while. Um, but most of what you find, especially when you look at like the, the Star K Pesach guide for kosher medicines, I think there's like three in there that actually have a shkacha. There's another one the OU supervises uh, when they're doing sugar tests for people for like diabetes or things like that. Um, that has an OU. Um, but there aren't so many. The other area which is lacking is in terms of alcohols. Now, I think most of us here wouldn't dream of going into a regular grocery store and picking up a bottle of soda if it didn't have a hashkacha or any form of anything other than basic water. Because water is a group one ingredient. A group one ingredient, for those not in the kosher world, is anything that the production of it is really not problematic whatsoever. So an example besides water is plain white flour. It's a group one ingredient. It does not need a shkafa. You could go to any grocery store anywhere in the United States and buy flour and you're fine. Same thing with plain white sugar. You can go to any grocery store. It does not need a shkafa, and you don't have to worry about it at all. Um, but beyond those types of ingredients, anything that's... What about salt? Salt? Salt, same thing. As long as, no any, as long as there isn't any other additive in it, if it's just plain salt, then it's salt and it's fine. Um, those are all group one ingredients. But anything beyond that really needs supervision. Wait a minute, so that's thin. It's water with no ingredients. It's not another ingredient, it's a action. So how do you do with just soda? So, so, so does carbonated water. So really, carbonated water shouldn't be a problem. It's a big problem in Pesach, depending on who you ask. Um, the reason being that a lot of the carbonation that's used in sodas and seltzers is actually produced by breweries, and the carbon is captured during the fermentation process, and then is sold to uh, the soda manufacturers. And so you have a question of, is this gas actually considered to be a chametz derivative, or is it not? The OU and the CRC say it is, and therefore, so, uh, any, even a seltzer would need to have hashkacha for Pesach, and uh, the Star K's opinion of Moshe Heinemann says it's not a problem. Uh, happens to be, I believe, the Okuk Yosef also says that it's not a problem. Um, no, flavored soda, it has to have... Flavored soda needs, but a plain seltzer, um, even on Pesach, any plain seltzer would not need to have a shkacha. Um, or if Heinemann says even doesn't need a Pesach shkacha at all, uh, the OU and CRC are, are, are more machmir in that regard. Um, but when it comes to alcohols, there seems to be this... Uh, this minogololam uh, that we just kind of go to the store and if it says beer, it's fine. If it says whiskey, it's fine. Or the, the uh, we'll, we'll get to this next time is the 
the idea of, oh, it's bourbon, so it's for sure not a problem, um, which is not the case. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that right now, it's not the case. But um, bourbon, caskets, no? bourbon's not a problem with caskets. It's not really so much a problem with caskets because bourbon legally has to be aged in a new oak barrel. So nothing could have been in that barrel beforehand. The bourbon goes in, and that's it. And in fact, that's why Scotch whiskey ages in bourbon barrels so often is because the bourbon companies can do one of two things with those barrels. They can sell them to somebody else or they can burn them. And that's about it because they can't reuse them. Um, the only other potential option, which no one really wants to do, is you could reuse it for double oaking. So you could age it for the three-year minimum or however long you want to age it, and then you could stick it in another cask to finish it. That would be allowed. Um, but the actual basic bourbon, which is what most people in America produce, it's a brand new oak barrel, and you don't have to worry about it. The other, the bigger issue with bourbon is how much of a Pesach, because um, a lot of bourbons are owned by Jews. But we'll get to that next time. Not, not all of them. A lot of them are not. There's a lot of them owned by Jews. A lot of them are owned by Jews. But we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to bourbons next time. Right now I want to discuss beer because everything really comes from beer. You have to make essentially beer in order to get to whiskey. And so how, do, how does this process work? So you take barley. For the most part, that's how you make beer. You could make it out of wheat, but for the most part, it's generally barley. And in Germany in 1516, there was a law that was passed called the Reinheitsgebot, which I probably butchered that because I don't speak German, so I'm sorry to anyone who does. Uh, but this law was essentially the German beer purity laws, which essentially meant that you could only make beer out of four ingredients. Water, uh, barley, yeast, and hops. The water is, and barley are what are used to make the actual liquid of the beer. The yeast is what's used to make it alcoholic and carbonated. And the hops is for flavoring. What's hops? Hops is a, it's a flower. It's a type of flower. Wait, what? The beer is... It gives the beer its bitterness, its citrus flavor. There's a but it's something that grows Yeah, it's a it's a it's a flower. It's a plant. It's a like like perach. It's a flower. But they make it in. We'll see in the Gemara. It actually, it's it's been used for over a thousand years um, to to flavor beer. The Gemara even mentions it. Uh, we're gonna we'll get it's um I can't remember. Um, no, no, no. We'll get it's uh where is it? Cheshuta. Um, yeah, Cheshuta. So. If that's what the rule was, and every beer brewery on the country, in the world followed these laws, we wouldn't have a problem with beer, for the most part. Because barley is not a problematic ingredient. Barley is kosher. Water is kosher. Yeast is kosher. And hops are kosher. So really, beer shouldn't be a problem. And in fact, there are a lot of beers that still follow these rules. One of the big ones is Pilsner or Kell in the Czech Republic. They use the same recipe they've used since 1842 when they started. Um, but that's not the case today. There are a lot of different additives that are added to beer. And flavor, mostly for flavoring, that can be problematic. So what the additives are added at some point in the cycle. So what you first do is you take hops. It's malted, which means it's allowed to germinate and sprout. Then it's killed, ground. The, what? Sorry, the barley is allowed to germinate, so it's allowed to sprout. And then it, 
you kill it and grind it and turn it into what's called a wort, or it turned into malt, and then that malt is mixed with wort, or mixed with water into a wort, and that's turned into beer. You add yeast to this this barley um, barley water mixture. Essentially, it goes between barley kernels, like a sugary syrup almost. It's mixed with water. Yeast is added to it to create alcohol and carbonation, and hops is added for flavoring. Uh, nowadays, though, there are all sorts of flavors that are added. Um, one of the interesting ones is isinglass. Isinglass is comes from a, uh, a non-kosher fish bladder, and it's an enzyme that's used to clarify beer. So what it does is they put this fish bladder into the vats of beer, and it it absorbs the protein and all the the floating uh, pieces in the beer, that, and, and it clarifies it. So that way, with the beer you're drinking in the bottle is nice and clear. It happens to be up until like. 2012, 2016, Guinness used to use this. Um, another issue, particularly with stouts, is milk. Stouts. stouts. It's a type of beer. It's a dark beer. Okay. So. Sorry, I don't. I'm not familiar with the. It's fine. Um, I've had like over a thousand different different bottles of beer in my life. So this is this is. Uh... Oh, it's fine. Well, well. So stouts are made by roasting the barley further, so that way they become darker, and then the malt that comes out of it is darker, it makes a much darker liquid. Um, a lot of times though, stouts are uh, called milk stouts, and they add milk into it. They add lactose. Not just lactose, they could add actual milk into it, or cream or something like that. Um, and they would be uh, halavacum, or in the case of Sam Adams, every winter, uh, they typically make one or two beers that, if you look on the b bottle, it says Star D as opposed star to Star K. Right. So the interesting thing about Star K is whenever you see Star K on something dairy, it's automatically Chal of Yisrael. Star D is their Chal of Stam Hashkacha. So it's a D with a star in the middle. And the Sam Adams that has milk in it, it's made with Chal of Stam. And it has a Star D on the label and not a Star K. Uh, the the one I can think of off the top of my head that, that Sam Adams make is the it's a darker beer. So the one I can think of off the top of my head is a chocolate Bach. Well, beer doesn't have to be pot you throw. In a general, I believe they are, but I don't know. I think Stark is pot you throw, but not necessarily Yashan. Um, but I don't. I know how so I don't remember how you saw offhand, and I know Yashan is, they, they let the, the whatever restaurant or, or uh, caterer or facility, you know, d determine that for themselves, whether they want to do that or not. Um, another interesting additive is uh, wine or grape must. Um, so a lot of breweries will add grape flavorings uh, in order to sweeten it, they'll add a, use it as a sugar. Um, so that would be highly problematic because you're mixing beer with Stam Yedam. So, and, and there's beer and Pale Ale that everybody's drinking here. Pale Ale and Ember, like Yongling and all this stuff, it's okay. It's simple as it is. They should be. Um, there is no other flavor. They, they should be okay. Um, it, it's hard to say, because at this point in time, even the small breweries that are making things uh, that seemingly look innocuous, 
like a regular pale ale or an amber type of beer. It's not necessarily the case. They could add all sorts of additives on there, and because it's beer, they don't actually have to list what the ingredients are. Um, so, and any sometimes you'll see something on there that'll be like with natural flavorings or whatever. Natural flavorings could be literally anything. I mean, technically, you know, if they derive something from oil, and oil is a naturally occurring substance, and you know, like petroleum, that that's a natural flavor. Um, you know, it could be derived from uh, pork enzymes, uh, and that's a natural flavor. So you have no idea what you know natural flavorings means. Um, so I, I, because there's so there's so many different things that can go wrong and really do go wrong uh, in the uh, in the in the, the world of beer. Um, my best advice, at a minimum, is to whatever the guides say. The CRC, Star K, both have beer guides. If you're not going to get something certified, which there's plenty of certified beer on the market now, but if you're not going to get something certified, at least make sure it's on one of the approved lists because it's very hard to engage with breweries, especially the smaller ones, and actually get the ingredients and processes and things that are involved that, that, they, and, and that they use. They're not so willing to share all that information over the phone or in emails. It's proprietary information, so they don't want to. They don't want to give it away. It's very hard to access. That that is that is the reason. It's very hard to to access the 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 different breweries, especially the smaller ones. Um, there's been more of a push. the The easiest thing I can say is vote with your money. The more breweries see that. You know, you're buying beer that has hashkacha, then because they'll look at they look at you know demographics of what's selling where, and if they see that oh there's a large Jewish community here that's only buying things with hashkacha, so they'll go out and look for it, and that's really the way hashkachas have grown. The, oh, you didn't get you know over a million products by just you know deciding oh we're going to go supervise this. They had to to push forward and get in, and they had to kind of show people, hey, your competitor has a hashkacha or you know, this product of Ushkacha, and its sales increased 50% in a 12-month period since they got the Ushkacha, maybe you want to think about it. And the same will happen with beer, whiskey, and a lot of other things. The more you vote with your money, the more likely it is going to change. Uh, the, only, the other two issues with beer are Yashan. Um, and right, and So Yashan's the the bigger one because not every brewery is owned by a Jew, but Yashan applies especially for Sfaradim outside of Chutzla Arts. Now, the beer alacha in the Mishabura does say that Yashan and Chadash are not a zero sum game, so it doesn't mean that okay. I don't keep Yashan at all, so I'm not going to go searching for it or. I can't keep Yashan 100%, so I'm not going to do it at all. The Bir says, whatever you can do, it's better. So if you can find you know, two things on the market, and you see, okay, one's Yashan, one's not. So if you can get the one that's Yashan, that's a lot better. Um, especially for Svaranim, where Moran says um, that you know, it's a mitzvah deraisa for us to, to, to keep Yashan. But again, there's a lot, a lot of leniencies. Uh, 70% of wheat made in the United States no, is Yashan anyway. No. Really? really. 
it, for the most part. It, again, the there's a lot of reasons to be lenient, even in, especially in the United States. Canada, not so much, but in the United States, 70% of grain grown here is, uh, or at least wheat, is a, is a winter crop, which means it is Yashan regardless. Um, all spelt is Yashan, all rye is Yashan. Uh, oats are very problematic, barley is, but much later the season, especially for beer, because um, it has to dry out and then they have to, they have to malt it. So it really, Khadash barley doesn't, enter the market in terms of beer to like December, as opposed to barley in a package, like pearled barley, that's really like August of time already. Um, when I was, I'm sorry, when I was in the restaurant business, they, they, all you told us that uh, all the wheat that they produce for flour in the, in the United States is a very old wheat. It's the wheat from like a couple of years ago. It used to be that way. It used to be, in the height of the Cold War, the United States would put away wheat for a couple of years at a time to make sure that they had stuff stockpiled in case the nukes came flying. Uh, but thankfully, they didn't start flying. We kept them underground. And uh, the world population kind of got supersized. And so those silos and granaries were just opened. And now, really, for the most part, there isn't much uh, that's kept you know, in... Uh, in warehouses, in storage for more than a few months at a time. Uh, it's really just kind of rotating in and out. The new stuff comes in. It's all typically harvested by, uh, it starts in late July, early August, typically harvested in about a month or so. And then all that new stuff basically hits the market towards the middle of August in this area of the world. In the Midwest, it could even hit the market at the end of July. Depends on the year. What are you talking about? Which, uh, <clears throat> I, I know, I think there's a few times that it was over Rye and spelt in the United States. Not, not necessarily everywhere in the world, but in the United States, rye and spelt are winter crops. Nobody plants them, I can't say nobody, but commercially nobody plants them in the spring. So there are, they start growing in the winter, they all take root before Pesach, and then by the time they harvest them in the summer, Pesach's already passed and they're, they're not hadash anymore. So for beers, that could be a problem. There are some people who want to say that by a malt, it's the Yashan may not apply. So there is a little bit more leniency built in for beer there. Um, that's what I'm not going to say. A lot of breweries are adding oats to their beers. Now. All right, a lot of breweries are adding oats to the beers. Which uh, a lot of what? They add oats. 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 Some of them add, uh, Budweiser adds rice. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of, as I said, there's a lot of different things that are added to beers, and that's where you get into problematics of what's actually in it. Um, and therefore, I, you know, like I said, the best thing to do is buy with Hushkacha, but if you can't find any, you're not in a place that has one, um, which is, you, I, you're kind of hard-pressed to find that now. Blue Moon, Lining Kugel, there's a lot of them that have Hushkacha. Do Belgium, they ship all over the country. So it's very easy to find. But if, even, even if not that, at least get something that's on an approved list where people with reputable Hushkachas have gone and at least gotten the, the most reputable information they can find about what's actually in these products. Okay, you know, what, what happens if you buy from German, German, German beer? Do they keep this in law? Most of them do. Most of the, especially the older ones. Why uh, Right. So most of the older ones still keep to, still keep the Reinheitsgebot, or again, however you pronounce that. Heineken um, keeping the same, uh, not German. Uh, Heineken's, 
It, it's very possible so you do. Be Belgian beers, they also, they use different types of hops yeah, and malts. Again, very complicated. If, at the end of the day, if it's on the list, that's the best way to go. And if you could go even more and get with Ashkacha, even better. Now, if you want more about this information, the Journal of Allah and Contemporary Society, uh, volume 76, has an article by Rabbi Nyman about... Uh, CRC list, Dark Hay list, both of them. They both have lists. They're both online. They both have apps, so you can just download it right to your phone. It's right there. Uh, so you can pull it up on your phone. Uh, not necessarily. Um, I happen to just stock up in December, like late November, early December, and I buy a couple hundred bottles to, you know, have on hand. No, I, I, I buy it, and then whatever I have left, so I give it out for Purim. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's how I deal with it. Um, right, Kiwi Nyman has an article in the Journal of Halakhna Contemporary Society, Volume 76, which came, which is, came out two and a half years ago. Um, there's also uh, Rabbi David Cohen's book, uh, Alcoholic Beverages. The whole first section of his book is on the actual cautious of beer and other things. And um, his book you can get on Amazon or directly from him, cautioushalacha.com. And he is uh, one of the rabbinical coordinators for uh, the CRC. He also used to work for the OU, so he knows a lot about uh, this and really everything else. Um, now, that's the actual kashrut of what goes into beer. Now the real question is, why are we allowed to drink beer at all? So, the Gemara in Avodah Zara, uh, Daflam and Aleph, I'm a bet. Alright, so really it should be, except we have a Gemara that says sort of the opposite. The Gemara says on Avodazar Daf Lamed Aleph Hamid Bet, Itmar, it was stated, Why was it that the beer of the non Jews was prohibited? Was prohibited? Was. Okay. Why is it prohibited? So, there's two answers. Rami Barhama, Amar Yitzchak, so Rami Barhama says the name of Yitzchak, Mishum Chadut, because of intermarriage. And Rav Nachman, Amar Rav Nachman argues and he says, Mishum Giluya, because of uncovered liquids. We have a different din. The halachas of it are in Yerdea Simen Kuf Tetzayan, 116. On the um, regarding the laws of uh, uh, of Sakana, so you have a different law of, of giloy when water or one of the shivas mashkim are left open overnight. Um, so we say that they are forbidden uh, to be used; they have to be covered. Um, so we say, question? yes, covered or sealed. It doesn't have to be completely sealed. If you uh, let's say that you lift the top and you just cover it with the uh, napkins. Technically, that works. It works. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to. You know, lock it and. There's, there's a, no, so there's a lot of different opinions as to what liquids this applies to. And do it apply it to other things? Does it apply nowadays at all? The Megan of Abraham says, no, Nishanet heaven, we don't have to worry about it at all. They'll use policies. You can just leave a soup boiling, you know, open overnight and we don't care. Um, 
but uh, at least halakhically, you want to talk about health codes and not not getting involved in that. Um, but regardless, the, Rav Nachman says that the, the halakha is because of Giluya. Now, the Gemara basically tells us that we're not so concerned for Rav Nachman because it continues a little bit later on. Rav Papa Mapikinle la Baba de Chanuta Vashate. He would take it out of wherever he bought it. So he went to the, the, the guy who sold beer and he would buy his uh, flask or flagon or whatever it was. And he would walk outside the shop, and he would drink it there. And Rav Achai, maitilei levete v'shate. Rav Achai would take it from the, wherever he bought it, and he would take it home, and he would drink it. So, what do we learn from this? V'tarvayhu mishum chadnu. For both of them, the reason is, intermarriage, we don't want to get too close, so that way, you know, we don't uh, start mingling. And then it says, Rav Achai avid, Rav Achai made a greater buffer, meaning he was more machmir than, than Rav Papa. In that he wouldn't drink it just outside the, the bar, the store, whatever it was. He would take it all the way home and would only consume it at home. Now, so from here we get to. The what? So there, right. So there, there's no, there's no issue of chatnut. So therefore, the beer itself is kosher. It's just, but the location is not. And I actually, I had this somebody that I know, um, who's a mixologist. He posted on on LinkedIn something about you know people when you go out, make sure that you know what you're drinking is kosher. And I, um, yeah, he, he's a, a bartender. He, he makes all sorts of cocktails and things. Oh, okay. So he was telling people, you know, uh, was out some, he was out somewhere and he saw people ordering things and you have no idea what's in them. And, you know, make sure you're ordering kosher alcohol. And I said, I commented on it and said, by the way, you know, it's not just the alcohol itself, but it's actually the makom. And ask your, you know, I'm not going to tell everyone what to do, but ask your uh, your local Orthodox rabbi, and you know, it could be that that's not really the best place that they should be consuming it, regardless. That's why Starke used to to this year. That's why Starke didn't give the Ashgacha to Sichuan Rose, but only OU, OU did because of the difference of how of the bar, the bar, and the bar, and the TV, right. the TV on the bar. Right. Yeah, Look, Ashkachas can really kind of make whatever rules rules they want. No, so it happens. Each one has its own things okay. that they want to be mocked on. That that's fine. The Ashkachas are allowed to do, especially in an area you have more than one Ashkacha that's available to the people. You know, then they can kind of do whatever they want. Um, and if you don't like it, you can try to. You can you know you can choose somebody else. It might be a little different somewhere out in the middle of. Uh, Middle of nowhere, we only have one ashkacha where you know you're kind of more locked into creating kosher food and kind of turn a blind eye into the atmosphere, maybe a little bit. But that's for a different discussion. Okay. So the so the the, the shulchan aruch brings us down and seven kufiyah dalit sefalav says kol shechar shall over kochivim 
whether it's made from dates, or whether it's made from figs, or whether it's made from barley, or whether it's made from any other type of grain, or dvash. Now, dvash is an interesting case because the Gemara doesn't break down dvash, and uh, the rush seems to say that adding dvash is a uh, honey, um, is a kind of a separate, uh, it's a separate gzera. That happens to be this tip, this gzera, which is in the middle of the halachot of machle akum, or forbidden, uh, forbidden foods that, that, that non-Jews make, uh, comes right after pat and b'shi and comes before, uh, before gvino, comes before cheese and chal Yisrael. So this is actually the weakest of the gezeras. And the reason being is all the, the, the gezera of, of, of yain came about by, already by the Purim story. We already know that by Purim, the, there's a gezera on Stam Yainam. In times of Bayit Rishon, or sorry, in times of Bayit Shani, we already had the Gezera on Bishal Akum and Patakum. Patakum was not entirely accepted, which is why there's all sorts of leniencies when it comes to Pat Palter and, and other things, which we could get to at some later date, not at this time. And this didn't even, this isn't even mentioned in the Mishnah anywhere. This is a, a, a memra of the Amarayim, and it, at some point, in the, the generations of the Amorayim, after the, the mission was already closed, this Gezeira came about. So, it exists in Shas, but it does not exist in the Mishnah, and therefore, because of that, the Amorayim didn't want to make this Gezeira as strong as the others. So they didn't say that, like Bishal Akum, that the, the, the Shekhar would be totally forbidden. They just forbid it in certain situations. Um... Now he says, so the uh, Maran continues that it's it's forbidden because of of, of intermarriage. It's only forbidden in the place where you're buying it. You bring it to your house, and then you bring, drink it there. So it's mutar. It's allowed. Maybe you're going to eat by him, right? It's only usher where you are going to actually sit down and have a whole sort of kiviut to this matter. We'll see what that says, what that means in a second. So if you do it, which we'll, we'll see what exactly that means in a minute, um, then it will be loud. Someone who, who's uh, sleeping in a non-Jew's house. He's traveling. You know, the only place to, to stay is the non-Jew's house. Airbnb. Airbnb. Right? Airbnb. That's a great example. You're staying by Airbnb. Could be Airbnb is a little different. Because, <laughs> right. So I'm saying Airbnb a room, but at the end of the day, the, the, when you're renting a room, a that's technically yours. You have some okay. sort of thesis yacht on that room while you're there. Here it could be he's just sleeping where the guy may or may not be paying him. It could be his I don't know, business partner or whatever it is. Um, but if he's sleeping by his house, right, chashiv kibeto, so it's still considered like your house, right? So you're allowed to go out or send somebody out to go to the the, the bar or the brewer, buy a, a, a small flagon of beer or whatever it is, and have him bring it back to, or you bring it back, or you can have somebody bring it back to you, and that's allowed. Happens to be in a place where 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 beer is much more expensive. We're going to be much more expensive than wine. We're going to be we're not going to say that. You have to know that it's kosher because it could be they're adulterating the beer with wine because the wine is 
is cheaper, so they're going to cut the beer. That's almost never the case. Uh, but it could have been back then, because most people drank wine. At least in the times of the Gemara, most people just drank wine. It happens to be in Bubble, they, they had a Shekhar, typically means Shekhar Devash, or, sorry, Shekhar uh, Tamarim, right. So it's, it's, it's date honey beer. Um, devash is, or it's uh, made Devash is actually, it's called Mead. Um, in the Ashkenaz countries, I don't remember, it's one of these books has it. Um, what? Theoretically, if it's if there's no uh, barley or anything else in there, it should be kosher for Pesach. You have a question about kalim and other things, but the actual ingredients, if it's just if it's just fermented beer or just fermented dates, so you're just adding yeast to water and date sugar. When you're just instead of fermenting barley sugar, you're fermenting a date sugar, which shouldn't be a problem. Still fermentation, but fermentation is fine. Okay, how do you have wine that's kosher? No, wine yeast, yeast is not yeast is not chametz. Chametz is chametz Yeast, if it's added to things on Pesach or before Pesach, so we're going to say that it's asur midrabanan. But there's certain things where it's allowed. You can add, you can have yeast in wine. Wine's a little different because actually a lot of the yeast from wine actually comes from the grape skin itself, and that's why they leave the. The, the grape skins in the juice. What is yeast made it's, it's a, it's a, technically it's a, it's a fungus. It's a fungus. It's a fungus. There's yeast flying around this room right now. It's in your body, it's in the air. It happens to be there's thought scientifically that the first people to make beer kind of made it by accident. They may have left barley to, or something to soak in water and some yeast you know, just kind of floating around in the world, got into it. Nowadays, uh, most breweries use a type of yeast called Saccharomyces cerevisiae, which is, in layman's terms, brewer's yeast. How does it make it? Uh, how, how does it mean manufactured So it's it's naturally grown. I mean, it, it grows naturally. And the, what they do is they they um, cultivate they cultivate it basically. They they allow it to grow or they introduce it to a nice sugary environment that it likes. And then it, you know, it eats it, feeds it, grows. Um, right. Right. You can you can do it sourdough. Right. Sourdough. No, the yeast, it just absorbs the yeast that's in the air. So, the yeast that you buy, you know, the dryness that you buy... From yeah, it's cultivated, it's grown. Is that chametz? No. No. No, it's not chametz gomer. You can, you can, if you don't sell chametz gomer, even if you don't sell chametz gomer, um, you can still keep that and just sell it over Pesach. It's not actually chametz. Okay. Um, you got it down there? Yeah, you do. Oh, <laughs> so we can elaborate on Okay, so now the question is, that's regarding beer. We saw different types of beer. We're going to go back to the Ramah in a second because the, the Ramah is a lot more lenient and not everyone's entirely sure why and there's a, diff there's a difference of opinion that Kron and whether we follow the Ramah or not. Svartan don't. I'll put that out there. But among the Ashkenazim, there's, there's a difference of opinion here. So the, the Shulchan continues in, in Sif Gimel 
So if you make uh, apple cider, or you make pomegranate wine, and anything similar to them, meaning anything that wasn't mentioned in Sif Aleph, which was uh, dates, figs, bar, uh, barley, wheat, or honey. If it's not one of those, so then really anything else that's made into an alcohol, it says, So anything that's not common, this gazera doesn't apply to. So not only is it that even though this beer was made by a non-Jew, we're going to allow it as long as you don't eat it in his house or the, the place where he's selling it. But here too, anything that's not a common thing, we're going to allow you to consume it, even by his house. Because we're not worried about it. Because it's not a common item. Isn't that assuming that the kosher is okay? Like right, this is, all assu- this is all assuming right. that, the, that the kosher is okay. Which is what Sif Dalit says, whether making vinegar out of beer, so anywhere where wine is going to be much cheaper than any of these other things, pomegranate wine or cider, whatever it is, you can't buy it unless it's kosher because it could be that they use the wine to cut the to, to cut the costs. Now there's a machlokin between the pre-chadash and the pre-toar regarding what this all means. What, what, what Moran is actually saying here. So the pre-chadash of Yechizkiyahu de Silva is an Italian rav and he says that the list that Chazal gave us which is basically <laughs> The list that Chazal gave us, and I, the, the Shulchan Aruch even goes further than the list that Chazal gave us, but the list that Chazal gave to us is all that's usher. Anything beyond that is not problematic. So that means, really, that according to the Pre-Chadash, if it's made, like, the, we're going to see what the Ramah says, that if it's made from barley or wheat, there's no gzera on it. Because the gazero is really on Shekhar, which is Shekhar Tvash, or Shekhar Temarim, which is really just on honey or, or dates. It's not on anything else. Why is the gazero on the dates? So what, it's because that was what was common in, in Babel. So it's Cholek on, on, on the Gazero? Cholek on the Gazero? Yeah, he's Cholek on, on Marabit Yosef. Okay. Now, the Pretor, anyone know who the Pretor is? Pretor, anyone know? He has another famous sefer. It's far more well known. Uh, a lot of people read it every week in the Chumash. He's known as Rabbi Chaim Ben Atar, the Orachaim. Alright. So the Orachaim wrote a sefer on Yuridea called Pritor. Uh, it's only on the first uh, 122 simonim of Yuridea, and then he has some on the back half of Yuridea called Rishon and Sion. Uh, but in the Pritor, he argues with the Prichadash. And he says, no, things can come on or off this list depending on how common they are. So and this is a pre-Torah and Simon Kufyudalat Aleph. So he says that if it's something is, is common in that area, then that's allowed. Or then, then it's not allowed. And, there, and there's a, the Gezeer applies to it. But if in this time and place, the, it's not a common thing. Let's say like nobody in America drank barley beer, so then you could go to, you know, ostensibly any non-Jewish location and buy a beer and drink it right there, because it wouldn't be common. 
Now it's interesting though, because the pre-Torah also says that by apple cider and pomegranate wine, it's never going to be regil, and we don't really ever have to worry about it. And he says this is if cuts in Gimel. Um, Maybe there's going to be a place in time where you're going to find it. It's not normal, and therefore it wouldn't apply. The Pritor. The Orachayim. Now, the Zivchei Tzedek and the Kafachayim happen to agree with him. So, according to this, that even if something were very, very common, like, let's say in England, for instance. In England, the average person in England drinks 14 and a half gallons of apple cider per year. It's hard, apple cider. Not like, yeah, I know it's a lot, but it's taking in all the people that don't I drink it. Right, they drink apple cider. It's a very common thing in England. The, 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 the Rashba also brings down that it was common in, 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 in Spain. Drinking hot yeah. apple cider. What? Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's They're wrong, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, according to the basic reading of the pre-Tower, it should be that even in England, even though it's common, and people drink it all the time, and a lot of it, you know, 14 and a half gallons per year is roughly one every three or four days, at least, um... 14 of gallons, you're looking at, uh, let's see, three, uh, three ciders per liter, and you're looking at four liters per gallon, so that's 12 times 14 is however many that is, it's 160, uh, let's see, 168, so it's about 168 of them per year, so once every two days or so, they're drinking at least one. So I think that's, that would qualify as pretty common. Um, and the entire country does that. That's based around the entire country of England. So, what if it's fermented? Technically, actually, by the way, it happens to be any fruit juice you buy has the minimal amount of, of alcohol in it. Your average orange juice is 0.3% alcohol. But anything under 0.5% is considered non-alcoholic. Yeah, anything po under 0.5%. Anything under half a percent is considered non-alcoholic. Oh, oh, Apple, oh, are, your, your basic yeah, juice... It's not, it's not considered a shaykhar. Right, uh, right, that's not considered a shaykhar. There is no problem Right, well, no. So apple cider, though, what, they're, what we're talking about here is yin tabuchim really means we're talking about a, 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 a meshakar apple cider. Right, it's meshakar. So it, it's alcoholic. It's, it's a hard apple cider. It's, it's alcohol. Yeah, hard apple cider, according to the Orachayim, is even hard apple cider is never going to be a problem. And even, in even well, that's where we're gonna get. So, but he says even in a place where it's gonna, you're gonna find it and it's gonna be normal. Still, it's not a normal thing, and therefore we're not gonna make this gazera on it. Zivchet said and the Kafachayim seem to agree with him. Marana Beit Yosef does not agree, and I know this because Marana Beit Yosef says the dabar she'ena matzay lo gazru love. Something that's not we don't find, or something that's not common, we don't make gazer on it. Meaning, in a place like England, where it's very common, you're having one apple cider every other day, uh, that's every person in the country, that I think to me should qualify as ragil bakach, and therefore the gazer should apply there also. But, but that, uh, the drink is not alcoholic. No, it is. It is alcoholic. It is alcoholic. 
It is alcoholic. So even, even now, it happens to be even you could even potentially, and this is my own chidush, so I'm not saying that this is you know 100 percent. But even the the orachim maybe could potentially could be says, right? Right? If it's not normal, then it's then it's allowed. So he says anything that's normal or not normal falls on or off the list based on that. If it's normal, it's on the list. If it's not, then it's not on the list. He says, Bechlal, apple cider is not going to be on the list. Because it's not a normal thing. I want to say, maybe in a place like England, where it is a normal thing, that should be a problem. It could be even in the United States, because ciders and beer alternatives are a really quickly growing market. Beer is fastly losing its, its alcoholic market share, and it's losing it to uh, smaller craft beers, non-alcoholic beers, and ciders. Very quickly. Um, but that's the makhlukah there. So we'd have to, we have to see exactly what... Why does the pre-chadash... So the pre, like I said, the pre-chadash says that anything that's not on the original list, meaning it's made out of dates or made out of honey, if it's not those, it's not a problem ever. And... The Orachim is going to tell me, no, it is a problem if it's normal. There's also a Tamidi Arashba that says like this, that if it's common, it's normal. I would think today that I would say most things are normal. You could go into any bar in America, and on tap you'll find uh, 10, 12 different beers in a regular bar, and you'll probably have a, a Strongbow or, a, or some other uh, apple, you know, Red's Apple Ale or something like that on tap. And they only have it on tap because enough people order it. I would think, therefore, that would make it even in America. That's probably Brugil. So according to Ramaran, that's going to be a problem. Now, so the point being that even if, it's, even if it's an apple cider and it's not a beer, you can't go to a bar and drink it at the bar. You could bring it home, but you can't drink it there. No, it doesn't have to be a amount of alcohol. It's alcoholic. Because it's an alcoholic beverage. You can't drink it there. No, even if it's kosher. Even if it's kosher. I cannot go into a bar right now and order a Sam Adams and drink it there. Sam Adams, I know almost all of them are kosher. They make like one oyster beer like every so often and put it on a ship and age it. That's not under Sarkay. But almost everything else they do is. But... I can't walk into a bar and order a Sam Adams and drink it there. Why not? Because of any bar. Right? Because of Chanut. I can take it home. I can now. Chanut is not so interrupt with the going. Right. But if the Jewish bar. So if it's a Jewish owned bar. And right. So here's the thing. If it's a Jewish, if it's a Jewish, if it's a Jewish owned bar, and. The majority of the clientele there at any given time are Jewish. So then you'd be allowed. If it's a place, where, even if it's Jewish owned, but you know they exist out in the middle of nowhere, and so they're advertising to the world at large because they need to be support. You know, they need the support from the, the greater community. Now it's not how Jews to 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 build up the community or to, to build up the, the the restaurant to build up the business, and they have to get. Non-Jews coming as well, so then you Jews wouldn't be able to drink there, which would be an interesting thing. You'd have a Jewish-owned bar serving kosher beer that you could only walk into, buy it, and go home and drink it. 
Both. Doesn't matter. Bottle, you can't. The whole idea is, if it's a beer or if it's a an al- or, or if it's any type of alcohol, you go to a bar. Whiskey's a question, which we'll get to next week. But Pashtas is that it, it's also involved. But at least by beer, cider, or, or any mead, anything like that, if it's at a location that is not Jewish owned, you cannot drink it there. You have to take it home. Or somewhere else. I guess theoretically you could drink it in a park. Okay, but they'll be talking about uh, whiskey. Whiskey we'll get to next time. But it's a problem. No, yes and no. no. The, the, oh, so yeah. the, it's a at a post game. There really, there's a lot of there's a lot of question by whiskey and by brandy and, and like let's say you know kosher brandy or kosher cognac because of the way it's the, the amount you consume, the way it's consumed. That's a question. The Orlitzion is going to tell you everything's included. The Yenema Shumar, which is sort of Eitan even in Lakewood, is going to tell you everything's included. Um, but there is a little maybe more wiggle room here regarding whiskeys, which we'll we'll see next time. No, because I'm asking like because a lot of time in the business meetings and uh, exactly in the bar. Yeah, so we're gonna get there hopefully shortly. Uh, no, wine, wine, wines were a lot more mahmur with. You don't drink wine with with non-Jews. Right, even Jewish owned, we don't drink wine with non-Jews. If it's beer. If it's a Jewish-owned place, so then, and there's mostly Jews there, so then that could be okay. Rabbi Aryu Ashman says, and I kind of tend to agree with this. The 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 Chokos Adam says says like this, and, and others that really, there's no reason you have to drink with non-Jews. You could just sit there and order a coke. You don't have to drink whiskey with them. It's not an obligation. Okay, with other Jews, fine. So fine, as long as it's a Jewish place. Or do it at your house. I I'm not worried about that. Makom mechirato. That's the rule. It's a low plug on the rule. Makom mechirato. If the place it's sold is owned by a non-Jew, low plug, you can't drink it there. If it's owned by a Jew and the majority of people drinking there are, are Jews, so then yes, you could go there. If the majority of people drinking there, or even if it's half and half, but if the majority are non-Jews, you can buy it there, but you got to take it home. That's the rule. So, so what if it's a bar that's like on a, a on like an ocean front? You know, you have one of these like uh, hotels. There is no roof. Right. So if there's no roof, that means, but the, the bar owns this uh, the same people going so out. So take it out. Don't drink there. Go to some other place. Right. Right. Beer, beer cider, th- th- those things. Anything fermented. We're not talking about distilled yet. Distilled is a whole other ball game. Are you staying there? Are you sleeping there? Or are you just I, visiting? I think it's a visit. If you're just visiting it, I, I would say no. So it happens to be like if you're, you're hard pressed to find a place where, unless you go to the Ramah, which we'll see in a second. But according to the Ramah. Once you have a place that's owned by a non-Jew, take it home. Now, other posts are going to tell me I don't have to take it specifically home. I could take. Some want to say that right outside, right, right outside the restaurant could be a problem. That's the question. Right. 
Right. So if you want to take it, right. So Papa says you could drink. He would walk outside and just drink it outside the place, but not you know at their tables, just somewhere outside. And Rachai would take it home. Right. So I have you, a question. Yeah. What happens if you have a group trip? A whole bus, bus load of people. Right. And we come down to a certain bar, and you only flood the bar with Jews. Take it home. Jews? Okay. No. Right. <laughs> no. Are so we, are, we, are we in the way like, I mean, majority, we become all of a sudden like a majority of society. Right. Is that, is so, does it change a little bit? It could be. It could no. It, no. It, it could be that that would change in a place like let's say uh, a lot of you know let's say like yeshiva dinners or kol dinners or whatever they're held at a hotel, right? And they have an open bar. Exactly. So why why would that be allowed? So the reason there is because you no it has nothing to do with the mishkiach. It has to do with the fact that you're renting that place, so you have a tefisas yad on the place. You own that place and you're renting it. So you right you're you rent out that facility. Right, you're renting that facility. You technically own the, the the bar and the cart and everything else on there for the amount of time that you're using it. So therefore, that's your place or the yeshiva's place, whatever it is. And therefore, you could drink it there. But if you're just gonna walk into a bar, I don't think that would be allowed. You have to really like, you know, no, you could no, you could go to the bar. You could. Like, you, we don't make the original problem doesn't exist now. Now you're you're making bodies. You're all what happened? No, 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 hold on, hold on. There's no reason. No, the the gazera exists no matter what. There's always there's always a chashash of chatnut. There's always potential issues. We're not going to say ain't a push up, ain't a push up pusla arayot. Okay, you're right, but okay, say but okay, I know. So it doesn't matter how many people you bring. You want to, if you want to go and go to the owner and say, "Listen, I'm bringing sixty guys in on this night. Can we just buy out the bar? Right? Can we just shut the place down? We're having, we want a private party." Okay, so that I would say is a problem because you're at a non-Jewish establishment. You want to go to the guy and say, "Listen, I want to rent this space. Nobody else comes in except my people." So then that's that's fine. Right. So that's allowed. Okay. Now the Rama. Alright. Alright, so the Ramah's gonna Okay, so the Ramah's gonna gonna be a little more lenient. And he's gonna say Yeshba Tirim by Sheikh Shadvash Utvua. The Khain Noakin right the Hakka Bibnidot Elo. So in 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 Poland, and Arathashkinaz, if it was made from honey, or if it was made from wheat or any sort of tefillah, so then they would drink it at the bar. They say the gazera doesn't apply there. Happens to be seemingly the shach agrees. The Taz doesn't mention anything, so he happens to to think that's okay. The Arach Shulchan in Yeridea, was it Kufudalid Sif Yudalif, also agrees that that's that that's Allah. The Chochmas Adam says that. Well, ma- so, so uh, we, so we talked about what? Yeah, he said you could. According to Roma, I can walk into a bar and I can order some manavs and I can drink it there. According to Roma, because it's tivua, right? So tivua is tivua, wheat, wheat or barley, any type of grain. Right. He says the gazera is only on, on basically on 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 date on, on date beer because that was what was common in in Balvel, and therefore that's it. The gazera was on that. It's a very weak gazera and it's very limited to just that. So, the, the Chokhmah Adam says that, yeah, that's the Lacha also. 
that you can you could go technically you could do that. He wants to say also that really it's not such a great idea because um, there's all sorts of takalot that can happen from that, and uh, I'll get to a mice. The yeah, the Adam says that it's not a good idea, and I'll bring down a mice at the end of the shiur, which I'm gonna. We're going to skip coffee, and we'll do coffee next week with whiskey. Because uh, coffee has a, a, a question to play here, but I... I well, if you still have to pass, you can sit in the, uh, in the Starbucks and exhaust. If it's all over to sit there, I don't think... You could go to the Starbucks, you could sit there, and you could have a coffee. Because they don't sell beer, so they don't have a license for alcohol? Oh, no, it has nothing to do with that. The question is, co- oh, the question is coffee it's itself. It's a question they have one in Manhattan. No, the question, the question is coffee. Has nothing to do with alcohol. Has nothing to do with alcohol. Has to do with coffee. Coffee is a shaila in the postgame. Whether you can drink coffee that's made by non-Jew. Huh? Not a bishulakum shaila. Well, d- d- could be, but in the mo- for most most cases it's not. But we'll get to we'll get to coffee and and whiskey next time because. Right, I know, but we're but we're skipping coffee now because we don't have time for it. <laughs> are you in? Are you in the WhatsApp group? Yeah, great. You'll, when we get the share, uh, it's it's recorded. Uh, you'll have it in a couple weeks. Okay. Now, Ari Wasserman says not like the Shachantaz. He says that no, really should, should not be as lenient as, as that, as the Ramah to say that you could go to any bar and order whatever you want. The Pre-Hadash says that the Ramah is wrong and that um, no, you, you can't order whatever. What Moran says is, is right, um, that if it's made of Tavua, you cannot order, you cannot drink it in the bar. The Gra also says the same thing. Uh, in, in, in the Bira Gra, in the uh, Sifkatan Chet. So, and for Sephardim, the, the Kafechayim and the Prechada, the Pre Toar, and uh, the Zivchit Tzedek, and basically everybody else are going to tell me that if it's made of grain, you're out. We're not lenient like this, Maran. Right, Maran says that if it's made of Tua, it's Aser to drink in the Makom that you buy it, it's Aser. Now, the Orlet Sion does say, um, that you don't have. To, he brings down also. You don't have to go home, right? So he he says that. Um, so even if it's uh, if, let's say it's not alcoholic, but it's some other form of intoxication. Um, so you can't drink it there. If you go on Arak or Bira Kedoma, he also wants to say so even if it's if it's wow. malt beer, right? Non-alcoholic beer. He wants to say that we're, we're going to make a low plug on 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 shekhar itself. What about the airplane? What? What about the airplane? Airplane, airplane. Could be on the airplane itself. You're renting that place. You're stuck there. You don't have any other option. Um, it's not like you could walk off the airplane. Uh, I would say in the airport itself, you can't. So even if you go to the lounge, that's just like you know, that's just like a regular bar. But if you're on the plane, uh. It's not a gathering place. Right, it's not a gathering place. Uh, you know, it's a quite. That's more of a shy, I think. I think you, there's a lot more leaning to be there because it's essentially you're you're staying there. 
you're stuck there for however many hours you're on the plane. Um, so I, I think it could be that, that there's more le- more room to be lenient there. Um, it says, Drink it somewhere else. So if you have to go out to a business meeting, you should also be machmir here. So here, this is the, the, the oral tzion's chedesh, is that, let's say you have a place where you, you buy it, but it's not common to drink there. So if you go in Chanot Makol, it's Shilnokrim. You go into some little, you know, kiosk, or a little hole-in-the-wall mom-and-pop store where there's it's not common to drink in that place. So he says, So you could drink, technically, if I walk into some random store, obviously not in Pennsylvania, because no, you can't... Right, in the restaurant, but, or in the, not in the, in the grocery store. But we're not talking about a major, a major grocery store. We're talking about a little hole in the wall, like a, like a gas station you know, kind of place. So it's not common to drink your beers or whatever in the gas station. So there, the Orlitzion says you could. You could open your Sam Adams in the gas station and, you know, have at it. Hopefully you're not driving immediately afterwards. Business meeting is, uh, you cannot do it. No, you cannot do it at a business meeting. Drink a, have Coca-Cola. Um, now, the other question... So, so, so you could just... You, you can technically drink a beer in a in a Wawa or in a in a yeah. the coffee but what's the word? Starbucks because it, it's not the macam it's a it's a it's not like the uh, so a Wawa for sure. Starbucks says you can't drink a beer there because the Starbucks is a place where you sit down and eat or drink or but that that's a that, that's a place where people commonly so you said drink the coffee, yes, but drink the beer. Uh, right. It's a, it's, again, not a shiloh of alcohol. The coffee itself is, is the shiloh. Um, now, the other question regarding all these is, let's say, uh, what about an office party? Uh, office party? Right? I'm at an office party. Right? There's a bunch of people eating there, a bunch of people driving, so what do I do? So the post can here say that, Mikaradin, you're allowed to eat kosher food at an office party. Right? Let's say they get you a kosher cake or you know something, whatever. And, okay, or you bring your own food in, fine. But the, the Rabbis wants to be macher and say you really shouldn't. Just you could drink some, bring your own drink, you know, not alcoholic, but bring your own drink from home and your own kalim. Um, that's a machloka to post come here. You can ask your local Orthodox rabbi exactly what you want to do. Um, but regarding weddings, let's say the. Uh, you know, you have a, a non-Jewish boss or a coworker or whatever it is, and he invites you to his kid's wedding. So over there, everyone's going to agree, and this comes from the Rambam, everyone's going to agree that you cannot eat or drink anything at a non-Jewish wedding. You can go if you have to, Meshum Eba, and Allah says in a church, because you can't go into the church, and you're not, you're not allowed there. But if it's in a country club or whatever it is, you could go, but you can't even drink water. Right, because that whole thing—it's a—it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a it, that, that's a masiba. A masiba you are not allowed to eat or drink there, even right. if they bring you kosher food. Even if, you even, your own? even if you bring your own, even if they sit you at a separate Jews-only table. So what's the difference between that and a holiday party? So a holiday, so the difference is that the the office party, the holiday party—if you could get out of that—that that might even be better. But a regular office party, like an office birthday party or something. If, it's not, it's not a real party. That's one. Well, it's not a real party. No one really wants to be there. No one really wants to. One, no one really wants to be there. But two, two, it's not a wedding. The idea of of of, of, 
we don't want to partake in the major life cycle events here. Okay? So the guy made a big feast because you know he had ten girls and finally had a boy. So you know, as an heir to carry on his name or whatever it was. So that say is more similar to a wedding. Someone's little uh, I don't know office birthday party or uh, you know a little uh, get together at your community center or something. So there, you know, if you want to have a soda, you want to have some water, or, you know, they have some uh, prepackaged Reisman's cookies or something. So okay, have that. But if you're going to the wedding or something like that, that's out. Oh, you see, that's only there's at the office. I think there's a, mostly like it's an it's a office party. You have everybody who already you know in your office. It's not a party. The difference the difference is whether it's a major life cycle event like a wedding or something like this, or whether it's just some some little, you know uh, office party or, or some little get together or something like that. Not necessarily. <laughs> and even if it again, even if it is, the office party we don't care. At the office party, you can have, again, I'm not telling you drink beer or whiskey there. I'm saying drink, you know, you can have water or a soda. Yeah, no, right? The whole thing is that by a wedding or some other major, you know, function like that, well, the king of England invites you to his coronation or something, right? Okay, don't eat or drink there at the coronation party. Right? That's a major event. But something, you know, small, something that's a relatively frequent occurrence, hey, you know, it's a barber and accounting's birthday, so they got a cake, you know, from Stearns. Okay, I have a piece of cake, fine. You know, make sure they cut it with a kosher knife. That's not as big a deal. But a wedding, something major, so that we were, we're, we're more machir for. And there you can't even eat or drink. So the Rambam says this, the, the Radbaz says this, everybody says this, there isn't a plug here. In, in that regard. So if, if the guy is to <coughs> parties connected by going, for sure it will be assured if it's a Jewish uh, uh, wedding or Jewish party that is not kosher, that is not observant. All right, so if, if you're at a, a non-observant Jewish well, party... It's a conservative... Okay, uh, so, you know, if they have kosher food or something there on the side, so... I would I wouldn't go so far as to say you know again if they're marrying a non-Jew so then you shouldn't even be there in the first place but if the you know they're they're if it all right okay so they're mechalal shabbat so what so there okay go have your soda have whatever and just you know it'd be part part of their their, their little simple no you can eat if it's kosher food have a piece of the, you know Again, a lot of times, you know, you, you go to a non-observant cousin or something and they contact their local caterer and they get like a couple prepackaged things and you sit at your own table and okay, eat there, fine. I'm not going to tell you that that's, that's a big problem. And if you have, the other big problem is going to be even if it's a Jewish wedding or something like that, or a big bar mitzvah, but most of the attendees are non-Jews for some reason, so that you, can, you, couldn't, uh, you couldn't drink also. Um, uh, what about the party when the Jews are not observant? Uh, that's what I'm saying. So eat your kosher food off on the side. Yeah, they have a kosher food. Okay, so eat, eat, eat. Okay, doesn't matter. They're all Jews. There's no iser chadnut by by non-observant Jews, right? 
The whole isra here is, is by hadnut, right? by intermarriage. I don't have a problem with intermarriage if, if they're Jewish. Okay, that, that's a different, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a little plug whether you're married or not. You could be, you know, six, you could be uh, 96. Everyone in between, uh, up to, uh, you know, Methuselah, is, uh, has, has a problem here. Um, now, at the end of the day, to, to end off, and again, I know it says coffee, we'll move to coffee the next time. Um, but to end off, there's a distinct rise, and not just in the non-Jewish world or the world at large, in the Jewish community also, there's a distinct rise in alcoholism and alcohol abuse and alcohol culture and kiddish clubs, which are a big chil Hashem that I don't even want to get involved in right now. Um, but I understand that. I understand that. I know they're different. I understand that. Fine. I get that they're different. All I'm saying is that there is a rise across the board in alcohol consumption, alcohol abuse, alcoholism, and everything involved. Right? People tend to drink a lot more than they used to, as noticed by, like I said, in England they're drinking four and a, or 14 and a half gallons of, of cider per year. That's not beer, whiskey, or anything else that they're drinking. Happens to be like in, in the Czech Republic, they drink like 40 gallons of beer per year. Um, so there's a lot. There's a lot that goes on in the world. And there's a lot of things that can go wrong and that do go wrong. And, and this story brought in Rabbi Ari Wasserman's book is Ari Wasserman. Okay. He's a dying, uh, I believe he lives in Lakewood now. Or it might be in Yerushalayim. I don't remember. He has, a, he has two books, um, Making It Work and Making It All Work. One of them is about, it's, it's about um, working in, you know, in the world and business and non-Jewish environments and how you handle all sorts of situations, davening and, and whatever else. But in his section on office parties and you know, drinking with non-Jews and whatnot, he brings a story at the end of one of the chapters where there was a nice from woman and she never used to go to the office parties. She didn't want to deal with it and you know, she wasn't such a big drinker and didn't want to be involved in the culture. Then one day she'd been there for a few years and someone that she'd known there was retiring and she felt obliged to go to the party. And, you know, she had something to drink, whether she chose to or not, or she maybe had more to drink. We don't, she doesn't really know. But end of the matter is, she woke up the next morning, doesn't remember what happened, so woke up in a strange man's bed. Fooling? Yeah. All from consuming a little bit of alcohol at this office party. And maybe a drug. No. Maybe a drug. It doesn't Right. I'm not saying... You know, I'm not saying she's at fault or whatever. I'm just saying this is the Misa, right? It happens to be, though, her husband was a Kohen. So, all because she went to this office party and had a little bit to drink, again, whether her fault or not, not the point, because she had to, she was not allowed to live with her husband anymore. Her whole family, because he was a Kohen. Her whole family broken up because she went to this office party. So again, I, I, I want to reiterate 
even for the, the opinions that say it's allowed in certain situations to have alcohol with non-Jews, there's no real reason to do so. There's no reason you have to do it. And as the Radbaz says, you know, five, the Radbaz says this 500 years ago, the Chochos Adam says this 200 years ago, Poskim say it today, even in a place where it's mutter, and even where it's mutar mi karatin, there's still bad things that happen because of it. And therefore, to recap everything, if you're buying beer, you cannot drink it or consume it in the place where you bought it. You have to make sure it's kosher. Ideal, you know, make sure it's at least, at the minimum, that it's on one of the approved lists. Even better is you can, if you could find the uh, kosher varieties. There's a ton of them now, and more coming onto the market every day. Even whiskeys now, there's a lot of them that are coming onto the market, which again, we'll talk about that next time. Um, but just don't put yourself or your family or, or, or whatever else in situations that are potentially compromising that you just don't want to be involved in. It's not worth it.